Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective? We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl and the word of God says in Romans 10, starting in verse 14, how then will they call on him who they've not believed and how are they to believe on in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And those are some beautiful verses that I love those verses. They say so much, and just how it ends there with faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, and preachers. We need preachers. We need preachers to be sent. We need preachers who are qualified to be sent to, to preach behind the pulpits in churches. We also need them, I believe, to be sent out into the streets and preach there so the word of God can go out. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today and discuss about preaching and some other things, Some maybe a little bit of controversial thing that was on Twitter this week, but this podcast will come out next week. But I have a special guest, somebody who I've met on Twitter and who's been an encouragement to me and uh, as well as many other of uh, this little little Twitter group that we kind of have. Uh, I see a lot of the same people liking and, and sharing things from, from uh, the group and a lot of uh, great things, great encouragement. And this man, many of you may know and already be friends with him on Twitter, and it is Mr. Scott Dove. How are you, Scott, today? Hey, I'm doing great, Daryl. It's good to talk to you. You too. It's great to, to see you on this little screen. As I record, this is yeah. the first time I'm recording in my mobile unit known as my Honda CRV. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do sometimes and stealing the Panera Wi-Fi. Is it stealing if it's in the air? I don't know. Maybe it's I'll go in borrow, and buy a coffee. Yeah. yeah, I'm borrowing. Maybe I'll, if they're still open when I'm done, I'll go buy a coffee and say, thank you for letting me use your Wi-Fi. Hopefully it doesn't go. shut off during this. But um. <laughs> Uh, where, where are you? I know you travel a lot, but where are you today? Yeah. Again, thank you for the privilege to come on here. It's, it's great to actually talk to someone. Um, I've met so many different wonderful people on Twitter and it's kind of like that commercial. Uh, I think it comes out of Christmas time. It's like a classic. It's like where the M&Ms where one of the M&Ms meets Santa Claus and they bump into each other and they both turn around and see each other. And it's like, you really exist. You know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that. I see all these people um, all the time and um, it's on Twitter and, and social media. And it's just wonderful to actually meet as it were um, somebody. So it's just a great privilege. So thank you for having me on. So um, yeah, actually I travel with my work a lot and on Wednesdays, I am in Easton, Maryland, which is on the eastern shore. Mm. So this is my penthouse suite for uh, for tonight. So, well, like I, I was saying, you've been a great encouragement to me. Um, so let, let's just talk a little bit about yourself. You know, whatever you want to share, like uh, where you're from, maybe even a little bit about your testimony, how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. I'd love to love to share that. Love to share that. So. Um, well, my name is Scott Dove, and I am from Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is on the, it's in the Shenandoah Valley, which is about two hours south of, southwest sort of, of uh, Washington, D.C., and I've lived there my whole life. Um, I won't say how long, I'll, you know, protect my age there, <laughs> but um, I've lived there my whole life, and um, I'm married for 20, going on 21 years now, I better not forget that, my anniversary is coming up in April. So, uh, to my wonderful wife, Lori. And so, um, yeah, so I've, I've been there my whole life and I travel with my work a lot. So that keeps me, um, a little too busy sometimes, but, um, but nonetheless, um, no, well, I'm sorry, where else do we want to go here? Or uh, if you want to just talk about how, how you came to know the Lord, if you, if you yeah, grew sure. up in a Christian household or if, if you have like a moment that you remember, you know, either way, it's a great testimony. If you were, gotcha. if, there's a sure. test, if, if you don't remember a time, that's great too. Uh, talk a little bit about your upbringing uh, or if there is a, a time uh, where you, just, you didn't know the Lord and now you remember, like, like I remember a moment, I believe that I was saved, but yeah, whichever you want to share. 
Okay. All right. Sure thing. Um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad um, were both faithful church members. They went um, every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, for as long as I can remember from an early age, I think from about two years old on, um, I was grew up in a Pentecostal um, church. And so I'm thankful for my upbringing. And I was in that church for about nearly 20 years, but I knew something was else was out there. I don't know exactly what it was. I know um, it just seemed to me like there was something else out there. The, the older I got, um, the, um, let's see, I'm trying to think here. I remember probably the event that kind of made me <laughs> venture out there was the pastor at the church at the time. He used me as a sermon illustration and he tied me up in front of the congregation and I just thought, you know, there's got to be something a little bit more out there for this. And so I went to uh, visit other churches. And um, so, yeah, I kind of bounced around. I went to a Baptist church for a while. Um, I seemed like I was always looking for structure and order. Um, I went to a Baptist church for a while. I was like one of the independent King James only type. And so I was looking for structure and for just some sort of, I don't know what I want to say, discipline. And so I kind of got into that for a while and threw everything out but the King James. And I love the King James now, but I would do it not out of necessity. I had to sign a paper once saying that I wouldn't teach from anything but that. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, I had to dress up. I would um, wear a suit all the time and things like that. So yeah, I threw out all my t-shirts and all my records. I had a great, great, um, album and CD collection, but yeah, I kind of, <laughs> kind of went by the wayside there. Um, but yeah, so I got into that and kind of a little bit of the legalistic bent, but then, um, the Lord kind of drew me into, um, I met a, um, a man, it was a man that my wife knew from, um, from her workplace and he was a reformed Baptist pastor and he reprinted books. And so he would, um, he was kind enough and he, I met him and he gifted me with books. He had, he had like a massive library that would just, it, it kind of rivaled the library of Alexandria. I mean, it was just like huge. It was just massive. And it was just, it was in a double wide trailer. That was his office and his library. So it was just amazing. Wow. And so Slowly, the Lord used that to kind of bring me into the Reformed um, understanding of faith. And so, um, but yeah, and I've been a member now for the last going on, um, going on nearly 12 years now at um, First Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I've been a member there for going on 12 years now. So that's kind of my journey of faith, but really how I came to faith, I, I don't really remember. I'm, I wasn't a good Baptist because I didn't know the day or the hour or the time, but um, that would kind of brought me some consternation at times. But, um, but I remember I was 12 years old and I, I know I was probably too old to be going into children's church, but at the time, the church, they had the cutoff for children's church at 13. So I was about 12. And so it was something that the teacher had said in children's church. Um, I don't remember exactly what, I don't remember the text. I don't remember exactly what was said, but I know that evening I went home that Sunday evening, I went home and I was thinking through what was said. And I knew that I needed to be saved. I knew I needed Christ to forgive my sins. I knew I needed to be born again. And I don't know what I said. And I don't know exactly what I prayed, but I prayed that God would forgive me. And he did. I, I was totally changed from that moment. Um, I know now I can explain a little bit better um, what happened, you know, regeneration and so forth, that it wasn't anything I did. Of course, at the time, you don't really understand all of that. But I'm thankful that the Lord is gracious and patient with us and that he deals with us and will lead us on. So, um, but yeah, I was, 
I was changed. That was the summer between middle school, I'm sorry, elementary school and middle school. And there's probably never, there's never a bad time to come to the Lord, you know, to come to faith. Um, But really from a human standpoint, if there was probably no worse time to make a drastic change in one's life, you know, that summer between um, a transition there between elementary school and the middle school, because that fall when I went to um, middle school, it was a new school. It was a lot of the kids that I grew up with, but plus they were mixed in with some other kids from other parts of the county. And so, um, yeah, it was a lot of the kids that I grew up with, they saw a change in me and the kids that um, I never knew, they just thought that I was some weirdo. And um, so it was not long before I started experiencing a lot of, um, I don't want to say persecution, but um, I started being picked on a lot. It was a lot of I'm not sure exactly where it started, if it was the um, just kind of a put down or something like that. But um, then it began into some physical things. And I don't mean anything totally drastic, but, you know, it was just the punching, the pinching, Mm. tripping, kicking, you know, things like that. And um, so that started in middle school and that lasted about three years. And I I mean, I wish I could say that it was because I was a bold witness for Christ, but God really changed me. I was pretty rowdy and rambunctious and he gave me a quiet spirit. He had settled my heart down somewhat and he had gave me a quiet spirit. And so I was a changed, changed kid. And so a lot of the kids that I grew up with, they didn't like that, I guess. And they um, started um, the bullying and a lot of that. So that went on for the better part of three years. Now that really didn't do a lot for my, um, self-esteem or any of that type of thing. And so I, my grades went down, um, that struggled. And so i really struggled and I was still going to church. I was still reading my Bible. I had bought, um, at a thrift store, I bought a good news Bible is one of the old school ones with the, uh, the line drawings at the top. If you've ever seen one of those old ones. Yeah. Um, so I read through that voraciously. I was answering in Sunday school. I was getting all the answers. I was, I was just studying and just delving into God's word. I love the old Testament, which I know that's something you want to talk about maybe a little bit later on about scripture. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I just devoured the old Testament and the new Testament and I just, loved it but going to when in the week during the week in school it was just a total opposite i was really struggling i i couldn't talk i could not um which i know that'll probably prove otherwise tonight but uh, <laughs> i couldn't really put more than a few words together as far as doing speaking out in class i just couldn't do it and there was actually times that the persecution the the physical and the um just the, the words uh, that kids would say, they would laugh and mock and things like that. I mean, there was times that that was just so overwhelming to me that I was just afraid to raise my hand to ask to go sharpen my pencil or to use the restroom. And there's times that I would just go to the bathroom on myself because I was just so paralyzed and gripped by fear that I was just so afraid to just do something simple to raise my hand. And I know the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but at that time and in that age, I was just really totally gripped by fear and just paralyzed. And so, um, you know, a lot of this had gone on and sad to say one of the kids that I went to church with, he was nice to me on Sunday, but he was a holy terror during the week. Um, (laughs) He was one of the ringleaders and one of the chief persecutors and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, kids would get off the bus and trip me right in front of everybody. It was just it was a living nightmare, really. But I kept all this to myself and I I didn't even tell my parents until years afterwards about all of this that was going on. So um, it was just really a dark time. But um this, like I say, this went on for a few years. And by the time I got into 10th grade, thankfully, um, 
most of the kids that actually had persecuted and tormented me like that, they either quit school or got held back. I think one kid, um, he went to the seventh grade about like three times, I believe. So, wow. um, yeah. So, um, but by that time I knew things, it all come to a head one, one day when, um, the one kid that I went to church with, he was in the youth group, but he came by and I was waiting for the bell to ring, uh, for, you know, the lunch to be over in class to start. And I was minding my own business and he came by and started kicking my books and started kicking me and naming all kinds of bad names and calling me all kinds of things. And I'd never really cried before, but after that, that was just something in me broke. And I just cried out and I said, Lord, something has to change. Something just has to change. And, you know, nothing happened right then and there, but I believe that was the start. And it wasn't long after that, that God kind of set some things into motion, uh, some, some inner, um, changes in my life. I began to be more prayerful, I think, and more um, just looking into what the Lord would have me to do. And um, thankfully, I didn't have to wait too, too awful long that um, it was through a church camp, actually, that um, I went to and the Lord began to work and deal with me in, in this area as well and change me. Um, but then I made it through the rest of high school and I struggled. I, I did better. And, um, it wasn't until like about the 11th or so 11th grade, um, actually one of the classes I wanted to take was chemistry and I had never really had the higher math. I mean, I can barely add right now. So I guess you could say I'm no account, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I took chemistry for like about a week. And then I, cause I'd watched MacGyver, the old MacGyver show. Oh, and I, I wanted MacGyver. to learn how to, I wanted to, ha I wanted to learn how to blow up things. And it, <laughs> oh yeah. Did you, did you carry around duct tape with you everywhere you went? I didn't, but I didn't have a knife there. <laughs> I, they wouldn't let me carry the duct tape. I guess that would be kind of creepy, you know, seeing a kid walking around with duct tape and a knife. But um, so I still never learned how to blow anything up though. But I did one time um, trying to pick a lock. I broke, a piece of the piece of something broke in the lock and actually um we couldn't go into class that day so i guess i was a hero for for that <laughs> time but um but yeah i wanted to learn how to blow things up and take chemistry so i was in there for about a week and then i realized you know this ain't happening this i'm this is so far over my head i'm lost like a ball in the weeds i just cannot um <laughs> can't get this stuff so the only option that was open was either a study hall and this was first period and i thought you know i just don't want to wake up and just come and sleep again right. at school so and the only class was a class that was open that was called leadership development and um, it was just a brand new class that just started that year. And it was a, um, a program that taught you how to do public speaking. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. I can't I can't talk. I can't, you know, be in front of people. And so the Lord was piecing all this together. I didn't know. I didn't really understand Providence at the time. I thought it was the capital of Rhode Island. So um <laughs> I had a lot to learn and the Lord was very patient with me and he still is. And so I'm thankful for that. But, um, so I took this class and this teacher, he understood and he worked with me and it was just a godsend. The whole, the whole program was, you know, taught me how to do, um, prepare speeches to do things like that and to get ready for, um, to get ready for public speaking. And he actually encouraged me to, enter into a public speaking contest. This was through the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. So mm -hmm. um, I'd never, never been a farmer, but it was just in God's providence that I was able to get into, into this class and into um, that organization. But he, he encouraged me to enter this um, as an extemporaneous speaking contest. And um, I actually, I won third place. So I was really proud of that, but I guess I can't take too much pride because there's only three people in the yeah, contest. Okay. So. <laughs> but, 
but I've got a little bronze medal that nice. I, that's one of my most prized possessions, yeah. and and um, still wear it occasionally too. Well, I don't I don't wear it. It's okay. just you know, <laughs> too precious to to wear. I'm just so afraid of losing it. But you know, I bring it out every now and then and look at that and just think, you know, here was a kid that was afraid to raise his hand, mm-hmm. you know, to um, to ask a question or to do anything like that paralyzed by fear and you know here i've got this third place medal here and so um years have went on and so i i still had that bitterness of sorts in me of the way that people had treated me Um, a lot of those folks i've never seen since school and Mm. um and then one day um i was just out walking and it just felt like you know i just need to forgive these people you know Mm. i felt like the holy spirit was dealing with me that I'm not going to get anywhere unless I forgive these people. And I just, I just prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know where these kids are at. I may never see them again, but right now I forgive them. Mm. You know, I, I forgive them for the way they treated me. I forgive them for the hurt they caused for the pain, the just everything like that. And after that forgiveness, and you know, it's true that saying that, once you forgive someone, you let a prisoner free and that prisoner is you. Mm. And I let go of all that. And I I prayed, Lord, I said to the Lord, I said that, you know, I don't like this. I don't like how they treated me. I don't, you know, how it stunted my growth as it were. Um, I don't like that, but I accept it because it was you're working in my life to make me who I need to be. Mm. And I prayed that, if I don't like it at all, but if you can use it, Lord, if I can, my testimony can help someone else who's been bullied or who has been um, put down like that. If I can encourage someone else, if I can come alongside someone else, then it was worth it. And so I like to say that it's been an easy road. It's, it's not, I mean, there's times I still struggle, you know, sometimes with being able to, um, to speak, but I knew right then and there, I thought, I want to share. I want to share God's goodness. I want to um, uh, just be a witness for him in, um, in sharing and in, in talking. And he put, the Lord put in my heart a desire to, um, to speak for him. And so I'm, I'm the most unlikely, uh, I guess, spokesperson, as it were, because um, looking back at my past and seeing how I couldn't string more than a few sentences, more than a few words together. And now I hadn't shut up since the whole time I've been on. here. <laughs> <And> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you can see that the Lord has, has done a great work in my life. In fact, I was thinking of, um, I didn't shut my Bible. Um, I was thinking of a verse that I just read the other day in Psalms mm-hmm. where it talks about, um, um, let's see here where it talks about to, to tell about what God has done for us in our lives. And so, mm-hmm. um, oh, rats, I can't find it now. But <laughs> it's talking about listen to what God has listen Listen, children of God, to, and I'll tell you what God has done for my soul. It's Psalm, I can't remember the verse right offhand. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that is what I'd like to do. I'd like to let people know what God has done for my soul and what he can do for anyone who will, who will hear what he can do for theirs as well. So, yeah. So that's kind of um, the short story of a long. <laughs> that's the condensed <laughs> no, it's version. Great. No, thank, thanks. Thanks for sharing that because I think yeah. that, that's going to be that's a great encouragement. Um, yeah, I didn't grow up a Christian. I, it wasn't until later in life, but I, I often think of how hard it is for for kids who are growing up in the church who truly believe who who aren't just like. Your, your friend was who was you know church kid on sunday and then you know live terribly the rest of the week Th- those kids that do live differently that go to public school mm-hmm. where they're around unbelievers all the time who are tempted to to be in the world but they are trying to stay strong as believers but they'll they'll get picked on for that you know it's it's or they'll they'll it's even getting worse now where there's just straight up looked at as as wrong and bad and bigoted mm-hmm. you know if you stand on the truth um 
so I think that'll be an, an encouragement for for people who who have grown up that way, and also an encouragement for for kids that are growing up in the church and and also um just the the encouragement of of where god has taken you from that point to to where you are now uh is is just great and and now you are preaching at i think a few different churches you do um some preaching so talk a little bit about that like what um like how did you come come about being called to to preach yeah um well, it's like I say, it was kind of I'm, a, I'm the most unlikeliest of um, spokespersons for the Lord, I guess you could say, because of all of that, how I went through all of that and how I could just barely open my mouth really to speak. And all I can say is that it's it's totally of God that um, I'm able to do this. Um, I never would have dreamed it. I never would have thought that actually that, you know, here was a kid that went through this and could, um, and then now I could actually speak for God. Actually, I've had the privilege and joy of, um, speaking and talking and, uh, preaching on, um, three different continents. Actually, I've been to nice. Turkey with my pastor a few years back. Um, we taught some Iranian refugees and we taught them, we did a cl several classes for them. So I was able to proclaim God's word there in Turkey and in Romania it was actually one of the first, the first sermon. I actually, I'd spoken in some churches before, but I, I don't really call that um, <laughs> preaching as it were is more just like sharing and um, sort of those type of things. But actually the first time I actually preached was in Romania. I volunteered on a missions trip that I was with. Someone had asked to speak, at a church of one of the gentlemen who was um, helping us. He had a church in Romania. And so I actually got up and I've got a picture of me holding my, my big old ESV study Bible. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a podium. So I'm sitting there holding this monster Bible and got the translator. She's translating away. And, and so I've just felt like, um, felt like those old videos of Billy Graham, you know, where he would talk and someone else would translate. So it was just a, a neat thing. So, um, but yeah, I've, I'm just so thankful to God for being able to be used to um, proclaim his word um, in so many different ways. But um, yeah, now that I'm I've in the church I'm at, they started a program. There was a program um, a few years ago, 19, 2019, um, where you could, uh, through the denomination, we could go through, it was, um, and you could be a commissioned lay pastor. And it was pretty detailed. It was like pretty much a year long um, training course. And we went through. And so I'm not really officially licensed but per se, but I'm just a commissioned lay pastor. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but through the denomination I'm in, our church is in, um, we went, we went through the, through this course and this um, study. And so now um, there's a lot of rural churches out our way, out on the western part of um, Virginia, where I'm at. And I've been blessed to go to um, two in particular, um, one about 20 miles south of us. And then one is about another hour or so, an hour and 20 minutes away from us. It's in um, the western side of the state. And so a lot of these churches, they're without pastors and mm. they barely, you know, struggle. They really struggle. They have faithful members, but there's no leadership there. And so um, I know it's best to have someone full-time, but a lot of times that's just not an option. Right. And a lot of the times, some of the, um, some of the folks that they can get are from more left-leaning, liberal-sided um, denominations. Yeah. And so, um, so a lot of times they, they look for folks that are more biblical, more conservative, theologically minded. And so, um, yeah, one church in particular, I've been blessed to be at, I've spoken there probably about 15, 16 or so times. And it's the little church that's about an hour and 20 minutes from our house. But, um, 
it's just always been a blessing to go there and to encourage the saints. Thankfully, now they have a full-time pastor. And so I haven't been down there for quite a while. And the other church was a church that was coming out of the PCUSA, and they were looking into joining our denomination. And so some of us um, from church have been down there to speak and to encourage them and to help them along the way. And that's kind of basically what we're, we're there to do. We're, to, we're encouraging them and helping them. And I know one of the questions you had was, how is it, what is it like to, to preach and to speak into different churches? Yeah. And actually I found it easier to speak at another church more than my own church. I've spoken at my own home church mm-hmm. um, a couple times, but it's always, I found it a little bit more easier to go to somewhere different. Yeah. And well, the one church, a few counties south of us, I've been there so many times. It's almost like going home. It's just like a tight little family. It's maybe about 50 or so folks. And so, but my own home church, sometimes they have two services and sometimes it's kind of, um, yeah, I remember the first time I spoke there, I told them that I'm so used to seeing the back of their heads, you know, my own home. (laughs) congregation that it's quite a shock to uh see their faces and so um so yeah it it is kind of uh, it's more i guess nerve-wracking i guess in front of your own home home church but it's always a blessing and it's always um folks are so encouraging and um it's just a blessing to be able to um to speak at any church to speak for the lord at any church but to um yeah yeah, de- definitely. And, yeah, and I agree. It is a little more nerve-wracking because I've I've exhorted and preached uh, at a few different churches within the past year in our denomination, doing some pulpit supply, and the that pastor is usually not there, but there's some elders, so it is you know some a little nerve-wracking. But then the first time I preached, exhorted at our home church. And our my pastor sitting right in the front row, I was like uh, <laughs> a, little, a little more nervous. I see him taking notes, but he's smiling. So I'm like, all right, at least he's smiling at me. That's an encouragement. You know, no one's throwing anything at me, like saying heretic. So that's always a good thing. And I'm actually preaching yeah. on, on the or exhorting on the 20th in the evening service. Um, mm. So uh, keep me in sure. prayer for that. Um, definitely, I'm, definitely. Yeah. Well, I know you'll do a great job, brother. I know you'll do Thank great. You. Thank you. And and what you were talking about with with you know churches in rural areas or churches in general that that are looking for pastors. And I was just talking um with Matt Klein and that, that episode's will be out before this one. So hopefully if you haven't listened, go back and listen to mm-hmm. Matt Klein. He's does the Restless podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. But talking about needing more trained men to to be able to preach to to be pastors to mm-hmm. to to help churches grow. You know, it's great. We we want to plant more reformed churches, but what we need as well is more trained men to be able to to do that. Definitely, uh, so, definitely. But but speaking of of preaching and uh preachers, there was a tweet that went out recently. And I just want to touch on it briefly because it's on my mind. I just want to get your thoughts. Um this this guy Andy Stanley which is he's pretty popular mega church pastor son of Charles Stanley mm-hmm. and, and he's been kind of on the same path and saying the same thing for the last few years but his tweet was the christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents it rises and falls on the identity of a single individual jesus of nazareth now before i interject my thoughts i just want to See if you have any anything, you know, this could be a whole episode on its own, but we'll, we'll try to keep it brief as possible. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what, what, what just on the surface, because he did, he did um, also on the original tweet tag underneath of it or, or on the thread, the actual message that he, I guess, preached. I don't even know if you want to call it preaching, uh, but, but the yeah. message that where this generated from, and I listened to mm-hmm. at least half of it. And it was even worse than <laughs> if you think this is bad, but even worse than this this vague tweet right here. Uh, mm. But yeah, go ahead and uh, share your thoughts if you have any on that. 
Well, I guess the only thing wrong with that is pretty much everything. I mean, <laughs> how in the world would you know? How did, how did he say it? That it rises and falls upon. Um, the Christian faith does not, doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. It rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that kind of reminds me on the road to Emmaus when the two, um, two disciples were walking and of course, Jesus kind of is with them there, but they don't know that that's him. And I love it. That's um, folks say there's no humor in the Bible, but I love that where they say, are you just a stranger here to Jerusalem? They tell, <laughs> they tell the Lord himself this. And don't you know about Jesus, this, this guy that spoke and taught and we was hoping he was the Messiah. And they go through that whole spiel. And Jesus said, no, tell me, he's telling them this. Oh, tell me all about it. And so they mm-hmm. tell what they had thought that he was going to do. And, but now he's dead and this, that, and the other. And then Jesus beginning at, um, he starts to tell them, he goes pretty much from Moses all the way up from the beginning, all the way Mm -hmm. up to goes through the whole um, Old Testament scriptures. And by the time they get to their house, they, you know, they're just so entranced by the story that he's telling them and teaching them and that they just, the time passes and they're before they know it, they're at their house. And he is, when he breaks bread and, he reveals himself to them and disappears. And I love the response. He said, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us? And I always like to call that holy heartburn mm. because, um, you know, when we have God's word and we read and we see from Genesis to um, Revelation or even just through the Old Testament itself, we see how Christ is mentioned, maybe not specifically, but we see shadows and types but thankfully as hebrews says we don't need the shadows and types mm-hmm. now we have the real thing right and i'm so thankful for the shadows and the types and mm-hmm. i saw a little meme that um talked about had these different people like how the their weightlifting programs and such but then one guy was really pumped up you know really beefed out and it says he does a push-up for every time he sees christ in the old testament and I thought, well, that's so, I thought that's so true. You know, he is on every page. Of course, um, yeah. was that Augustine said that um, the old is in the new, concealed, and the yeah, something like that. The old yeah, is the, in the, the new, new. The new is in the old, concealed, and the old is in the new, revealed. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's it. I always get that mixed up. So, yeah. but uh, but yeah, but and so we need the Old Testament. I know. Um, he had mentioned, I think a few years ago about we need to get unhitched or unhinged, yeah. as yeah. it were, which <laughs> might refer to his state right now. I don't know, but, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But mm-hmm. yeah, we need the Old Testament. We need the New Testament because yeah. they point to Christ. And I'm not sure exactly where he's coming from. I think he is, again, trying to unhinge from the mm-hmm. need of scriptures, but scriptures teach us about Christ. We, we have the natural revelation we see, but we need general revelation. And yeah. so I'm not sure exactly. I'd like to hear what you have to think. Yeah. About well, this, that's but. the verse you, in the, the passage you brought up, uh, the road to Emmaus is exactly what I went to first in my mind that Jesus <laughs> preaches and, and teaches the scripture to these guys while he's walking and their hearts burn. And I think if I don't have it on me, but I think when he, when they say didn't our hearts burn, I think the rest of that is when he was opening the scriptures to us. I think yeah, that yes. maybe. So, yeah. so to, to say, you know, the, that we have to unhitch from the old Testament that Jesus was actually teaching them like that saying, this is about me guys. This, what, mm-hmm. what was going on, what just happened, what you just saw was written about. And how many times in, in the Gospels does Jesus say, have you not heard what is written? Like mm. it's so many times. And then Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, I, I, what is of, I deliver to you what is of most importance, that Jesus died according to the scriptures Scripture, <laughs> and that he was yeah. dead and he was buried and he was raised according to the scriptures so and paul's not writing to just jewish people there he's writing to the gentiles as well mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. who he's been t- teaching the scriptures to so he, he it, th- like 
you can't know the identity of Jesus of Nazareth without these 66 books. Absolutely. I know what yeah. he's trying to do and it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work what he's trying to do because uh, you can't appeal to the world who already doesn't believe the scriptures mm-hmm. by saying, Oh, well, you don't have to believe that about it. You don't have to believe in the, you know, the virgin birth and, and the, you know, that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and, and this and like all this. And then, say but but you should believe that jesus was who he said he was because there's four guys that wrote about it mm-hmm. wait a minute that's that just doesn't seem balanced it doesn't seem coherent like it, it doesn't work it, do, it doesn't work no <laughs> no no it doesn't and I, I don't get it and people still love him and and uh, you know i pray for him and he's got you know i'm not going to say he's not a christian he's not you know but but he's he's been told about this by very respectable people and and, mm. and and correct it and he's still going in the same path so yeah yeah and i don't know there's yeah <laughs> but but this is why we need more trained men to be able to to bring light you know to address these issues because this is an mm-hmm. issue and it shouldn't just be passed over but I'm, I'm glad you shared your thoughts and they were basically what i'm thinking as well with that uh, but we're almost running out of time here because I have to pick up my daughter from dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I just want to, uh, we'll end with two more things here. Uh, what encouragement can you give uh, Christians that, that are listening? Uh, what, what, what would you like to encourage people with? Wow. Um, you know, this is kind of hard for someone who feels like they could always use encouragement, but you know, we're kind of like a sponge, you know, if we, if you, a sponge soaks up so much. And I think that's one reason why I like to proclaim because I listened uh, with my work. I, I listen to a lot of um, messages, a lot of teaching and such, and which is good. It, it strengthens and it builds up, but at the same time, you know, you'd be like a sponge. You can either, if you hold on to that, you know, a sponge after a while, once it soaks up the water, you know, it starts to go bad and it starts to smell and such. It's just really nasty, but a sponge is meant to be squeezed out. And so I think that's true. A lot of times we can just soak up so much knowledge and information from the scriptures and from good teaching and such. And we need to proclaim and to spill that out as it were. And so that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to encourage um, folks. I'd like to, um, hopefully be a blessing to them to encourage them to um, to learn and to grow in grace and to proclaim that knowledge, to share that knowledge with, um, with one another. You may want to teach a class. You may want to um, start a Bible study with folks at work or anything like that. Um, you'd just be surprised how make, maybe taking a step of faith could lead to um, great, great things done for the Lord. And then I also like to encourage people not to dwell so much upon their past. Maybe they had a bad past. Maybe they were still struggling with things in the past, things that have happened to them. I encourage them. I know it's easier said than done, but not to let those things hinder you from growing in grace, from going forward and what the Lord has for you, what Christ has for you. Um, I know Folks have been bullied. Folks have been had worse things than I could ever even imagine done to them. But there is mercy. There is forgiveness. There is grace to be found in Christ. And I encourage you, if you're holding on to bitterness, to let it go. It, it it's it's just so such a wonderful feeling to know that, as Paul says, you know, to have a a, a what is how does it go now? Um, to have a heart free from bitterness to um, between God and man to be um, my mind's going blank here. It's been a long day, Um, but to have a a life free of bitterness, it's, it's great to do that. And I know it's easier said than done. It took me many years before I could really forgive the people who had mistreated me and such, but you need to let it go because Christ has forgiven us much. We need to forgive much as well. And I'm thankful that it's only through him that that we can forgive, that we can let go of these hurts and these past. And I'm not saying that doesn't still come back to haunt us, but thankfully we know that Christ is with us and he 
through the Holy Spirit is going to encourage us and to help us. And so I encourage if someone is struggling with that to talk to someone, don't be like I did. Don't bottle it up for years and not tell anybody, but let talk to someone, uh, find a trusted elder or a pastor, someone you can talk to and be encouraged that God can use you. If he can use me, he can use, you can use you. So that's, that's my encouragement to anyone out there today. That, that is a great encouragement, Scott. I thank you for that. I, and it's amazing that, that you were able to forgive those who, who bullied you and that any of us can forgive. And what's even more amazing is that God can forgive us. A holy God can forgive sinners who we sin against him, we reject him, yet he sent his son to die on the cross. He lived a perfect life, the life that we're supposed to live. And then he died on the cross, the death that we deserve, and he was buried and he's risen, and he's ascended to heaven, and he's coming again to judge the quick and the dead. And both Scott and I want those out there who are listening, who haven't trusted in Christ, to turn to Christ and live. Come to Christ. Be forgiven. And then you will be able to forgive others, because you will know what true forgiveness is. True forgiveness is, is knowing that what we deserve for our sin has been taken by the Savior, Jesus Christ. He took our punishment on the cross, and we are forgiven. And we are forgiven forever. Once we, we have trusted in Christ, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, according to the scripture alone, that we can be saved. So we pray that you do that if you haven't yet. And I have one more fun question for you. Uh-oh. I don't know if you looked up this guy on the notes, but he's one I of my... Okay, you knew who he was? All right. So the fun <laughs> question always has been so far in this season... Nicholas Kim Coppola, who is he? He is the guy that invented the bagel. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you had me for a second. Like, what? Is there another <laughs> Nicholas Kim Coppola? You didn't. He was know. Come he's on, from man. Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I know who it is. It is. Um, it is uh, none other than Nicholas Cage. Yes. Yes, it is Nicholas Cage. And, and he the, is. He, I'm sorry. He is the, I think he's the nephew of director Francis Ford Coppola. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was thinking so. I'd read that somewhere many years ago and put it in my little mind palace there. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I don't know why, but. <laughs> well, he, he, he apparently has a new movie coming out that looks interesting, but I'm going to ask you this. This is the question. Uh oh. If, if a Nicolas Cage movie was real life, what character, if you've seen any of these movies, what character would you want to be, and you can't be anybody that Nicolas Cage is? I've been dreading this question, I think, more <laughs> than any others. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably have to check in my dude card because okay, no, the only movie I've ever seen with him in it, and I saw that in the theater so long ago, I don't remember a thing about it, was the one where um, he was in Alcatraz trying to break out or something. The Rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I saw that in the theater so many years ago, but I don't remember a thing about it. So I'm, uh, I'm no good. I think he gets off the island. I, th- I think he gets off the rock. I think so. I remember. <laughs> I think so. There's some, and they stop the missiles from hitting San Francisco. I think they win. I think. Yeah, I think it's coming back to me now. But yeah. I, I think Sean Connery gets away. I don't remember, but I didn't see okay. that in the theater. But I did see that when I was. When I was uh, young, so yeah, the the new movie coming out looks like almost like a he plays himself in the movie, so oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks interesting. That'd be hard to yeah. Uh, well, well thank good. you, thank you. Uh, there is Scott. a good there is a good movie there. There's a one of my all time favorites. So I'll I'll just pass this out mm-hmm. if you like old if you like old movies. Yeah, um, it's Night of the Hunter. Of it's the from Hunter. like 1956. I want to say. Okay. As Robert Robert Mitchum in it. All right. If you like kind of thriller movies without like a lot of the yeah the violence and such. I mean, it's violent, but it's not like it's more psychological. Yeah. About a guy that poses as a pastor. He okay. goes from the depression area. It goes in from um, he goes from town to town in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and he marries widows and then kills them and takes their money. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds dark, but it, it, it's, it's a lot of symbolism in it. It's a lot of um, 
it's just great. I just can't mm-hmm. recommend it enough, but it's, okay. it, he gets foiled by two children and it, it's a lot of biblical allusions in it and mm. it's really good. But yeah, it's Robert Mitchum. He has like, he goes around and he preaches. He's got like love tattooed on one, on his knuckles on one hand and hate on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tells a story about love and hate and it's, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a morality um, play in a sense, mm. but it's just really good. It's just really, um, yeah, I just recommend it. So okay. I hadn't seen any, to check uh, it out. Hadn't seen any uh, Nick Cage movies much, but I, mm-hmm. I guess that'll be my movie, my contribution to movie review night. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, and, and and Scott, thanks for coming on. Like I said yeah, in, no in the opening, you, you've been a, an encouragement and a blessing to know on Twitter. It, it's it's an honor to to meet you on Zoom. Hopefully, one day we can meet face to face. Definitely, and, and brother, that, I want to thank you for the encouragement that you are to to me and to so many of us out there with your nightly um, rest in the Lord um, videos there. Mm. And just all the um, things that you post, it's just such an encouragement. And that's what we need to be in this day and age. I know that the days look dark, but we know that yeah. the Lord is in control and we need to encourage one another. Definitely. The scripture tells us as the day draws near, you know, to, to encourage one another. And and I'm thankful that you're doing your part and we need to do that more and more. We need to encourage mm-hmm. the brethren. So thank you for what you do. Well, my, my pleasure. I, I need the encouragement. So that's why I do it. And uh, I try not to get into arguments. Uh, I, no. I used to do that in, in my, my younger days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, now nah, I'm going to be here. I'm just going to share scripture. I'm going to share the uh, glory of Patry. I'm going to share my, mm-hmm. my nightly sleep well tonight. And yeah, uh, because and I don't have it all together, but I do it because I need no. that. So when yes, I when I yes. it forces me to to get into the scripture and say, what can I encourage people with that encourages my heart? So that's that's what I do. But uh, yes, so, yes. so thanks again, and uh, I'm going to sign off now. So check out all the podcasts in the Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. Until next time, I pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Grady. Well, I guess the only thing wrong with that is pretty much everything. I mean... (laughs) 